This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited to be here with my guest, Tracy Owens from Remember Your Truth. Tracy is an empowerment catalyst. I love that title and an intuitive energy healer who works with so many different modalities. And I am just over the moon for you to be here, Tracy. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So we have um, a good friend in common who has been trying to connect us and I'm so glad that she loves you so much and loves me so much that she has put us together because she, um, I don't know how she first met you, but I know that what she, every time that she has seen you and gone to a retreat with you or had a session with you, it is really just transformational. So I would love just if you could start off sharing, you know, how you got to this place where you could just be such a catalyst in people's lives. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and I love our mutual friend in common and I'm so grateful for her as well. Um, how I got here, gosh, that is such a, a, a loaded question and a wonderful <laughs> question at the same time. Um, I, there, there's so many things that I could share, but I will say, you know, I've been in practice since 2013. I've been doing this work. And of course, you know, over the time the work has morphed and shifted and, and changed, I've included more modalities and offerings and, and different things. Um, but we could go way back to, you know, my, my spiritual journey really began about 20 years ago. Um, and this December will be 20 years. And the reason that I remember that so clearly is because that was when I got sober from alcohol and drugs. And so that's a part of my journey. Um, you know, very tumultuous lifestyle, uh, adventurous and lovely and fun and all of those things and tumultuous, which then led me to spirituality, which then led me to a path of sobriety, which then opened my world to all different ways of being and, and opportunities to grow myself and to become a mentor, to sponsor people, to work with people in different ways. I've always been in the um, kind of hospitality industry. So I've worked in hotels and restaurants and all of those types of things. And so I've had that background all of my life. And so that really gets to play into the work that I do today as well, because it allows me to have what I like to call as a good bedside manner. I get mm -hmm. to show up and just hold space for people and, you know, be in that hospitable place, but also um, help people drop deeply into themselves and get really honest with themselves, because that is what I have and are and continue to do is get honest with myself. That path of sobriety um, led me on a path of remembering my truth. And therefore I created a business to help others remember their truth. 
And that's why the company is called, remember, Your Truth, because it's not my job to tell you your truth. It's my job to tell me my truth, to remind myself of my truth, but to assist others in tapping into that deeper truth and and their belief processes along the way. So that, you know, that kind of is what led me down this path. I started um, in this work in 2012, 2013, started working with clients and, you know, it just, it was, it felt so natural for me and it felt so organic for me. And what I learned is the deeper I would go within myself to keep myself spiritually fit, I was then more available and am more available for those that I serve. And so, you know, that path has been a really incredible one because over the years I've worked with different teachers. I've experienced all different types of retreats. I've, um, I've led many types of workshops. I've facilitated dozens and dozens of retreats. Um, I'm a Reiki practitioner, so I teach Reiki class, um, you know, mastery level Reiki classes for students that are wanting to, you know, work on healing themselves, but also perhaps someday become a practitioner in their own right to assist others on the healing path. Um, so there's just so many things. One of the the most exciting things that all of this work led me to a couple of years ago was to become a fire master. Um, yes. So I, yeah, so I lead people across hot coals uh, in in a most spectacular, transformative way. Um, it is a really, really incredible practice and. I love it so much, and I love the whole process of of bringing people into that work and to offer them the opportunity to supersede what they believe that they can actually do. Um, It's mind over matter, which is really, Mm -hmm. really and uh, with that, I also offer other, you know, uh, opportunities to lean into the things that scare us, like walking on glass, because why not, right? All of those wow. things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Snippets. <laughs> That's incredible. I didn't know about your sobriety story. And it's funny how that keeps coming up as like a reoccurring theme for me. I'm, you know, at the end of this year, at the end of 2022, it'll be three years for me. Um, not being sober in the sense that I'm in recovery, but just of having, of not drinking. Absolutely. Um, yes, yes. I, it's, um, what, what did I just say? Uh, alcohol free is what I decided I was going to call it because, you know, sober is not accurate. Um, and then just there's like sober curious, and then there's all these, you know, different, different terms. But so I feel like if, if someone can be gluten free, then I can be alcohol free. Um, so that's what I am for the time being. And it is a really interesting thing that I feel like that movement Mm -hmm. and the connection that people are speaking about as it relates to their spiritual journeys and clarity Mm -hmm. and self-discovery and awareness is is gaining in the general population awareness. And I don't think that it's true that you can't have a a spiritual, you know, relationship and a spiritual life while still having a glass of wine, you know, (laughs) whenever you want to. I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive in any way. But just speaking from my experience, and it sounds like for your experience, that 
removing that from your life was really a catalyst to help you tap in in a completely different way. Absolutely. You know, there, I reached a point where I realized that I no longer desired to not be clear-minded. Yes. And, and so the surrender set in for me so that I could step away from that way of living. But not only that, that way of living. So I started drinking when I was 13 years old. I drank and, and then used recreational drugs um, for 17 years. And during that 17, 18 year period, I had, I had forgotten I had forgotten to remember my truth. I had forgotten my own intuition. I had shut that down at the age of 12 and not allowed that natural and organic uh, aspect of myself to come through. And so I successfully kept it shut down and pushed down deep inside of myself for that 17 years. I was probably seven years sober seven, I would say seven or eight years sober when I had kind of this, this remembering like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. There's more, there's more to me. There's more to life. There's more than what we can see with our naked eye. There's more that we can experience in other realms. Hold on, wait a second. And so that then led me, that opened the portal Mm -hmm. and led me to a, a really beautiful search to um to mostly to just learn and understand more about my own energy and a fast forward maybe another six or seven years after taking several deep dives I woke up one morning at 3 a.m and it was my intuition had flooded back into my experience Mm -hmm. literally like I was drinking from a fire hose and I remember just all of these experiences and all of the, this awareness and all of the sensitivities that I was experiencing. And it was, it was overwhelming. Let's be clear, pretty overwhelming. What happened um, after that is that, that led me to a path of really starting to harness the energy, learning how to work with it learning how to ground myself, but also while simultaneously being connected with something greater. And um, it it has been so fruitful and so rewarding and so healing to my body, mind, and spirit, because it's like, oh, oh, okay. There was a reason that I was out there drinking and drugging for 17 years. Oh, got it. So the drinking it was was the effect what's the deeper cause? Right. So then I just kept unraveling and unraveling. Um, But it was, you know, it was an incredible gift that a period of sobriety gave me, a a period of recovery gave me because Mm -hmm. it was like letting go of something that I had been holding on to, grasping onto even, that was keeping all of my authentic self at bay, or I would say a lot of my authentic self at bay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to talk to you about. <laughs> it's a good thing. I, it's a good thing. I took my ADD medicine today. Um, so one of the things that I think is interesting, first of all, I completely agree and it resonates with what you're saying. You know, one of the things that I, I, I experience and I see happening is uh, in others is, you know, people use alcohol 
it could be drugs, it could be shopping, it could be food, it could be anything, you mm-hmm. know, for a variety of reasons. They're trying to numb, they're trying to avoid, they're trying to fill a hole, you know, but there is something about the drinking that, um, you know, minimizes inhibitions. And I think it gives people an opportunity to sort of feel more free or maybe live in a way that they find um, more fun, maybe more truthful than they feel like they could be without sort of like a little bit of that liquid courage. And also, I think that it fuels this idea of chaos. And, you know, my early childhood was, there was a lot of chaos. And one of the things that I realized, you know, as, as I've been looking backwards is that there can also be an addiction to chaos. And there can also be an addiction to drama and, you know, conflict. And so it's, to me, it's been an interesting little bit of a, you know, expedition to understand that relationship between, okay, if I drink and then I act a different way, or I talk a different way, or I present myself differently, but then that leads to regret, but then that leads to this. And it's like, it's sort of, to me, very tied to that, like chaos way of living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I smile and, and, and laugh because it's like, there was so, so much chaos that if I didn't have it, I would create it. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. it. And, and I remember, um, you know, the first few months of kind of putting down one substance and realizing that I was very quickly shifting to another substance. I shifted to cigarettes and I shifted to coffee and I shifted to sugar and all of those things mm-hmm. as some sort of keeping that that altered state or accessing that altered state because in that altered state generated chaos. It, right. it allowed oh my gosh, it allowed me to to easily point the finger outside of myself and not be turning inward, you know, something mm-hmm. to shift my attention and focus. Um, yeah, so that 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 just makes me smile because when when I realize that, when I realize that I have literally just taken away one substance and I have substituted it with something else. And like you said, there are so many different types of addictions, mm-hmm. so many different types of things, ways of being, ways of thinking, um, foods, shopping, all of those things that you mentioned that we can we can incorporate as as a way to not feel fully right and and that that became like a really big eye opener for me is to say okay honey wait a second there's some real feelings in there and we want to we want to get quiet and access those and then i had to learn how to access them because i had really never been taught that you know Mm-hmm. because of the chaos <laughs> right because of the chaos because that takes the focus and then it's sort of like okay here's this big shiny object even if it's messy or ugly or dirty or whatever it is but it allows my attention to be pulled outside of myself and then I don't have to deal with the feelings think about the things talk about the things it's funny just as an aside in my book club last night somebody mentioned that they're sister-in-law was doing a 10-day silent retreat and the majority of the group was just like flabbergasted how anybody could do that and peppering you know the person with questions well can you read can you 
you know, whisper, can you dance? Can you walk? Can you, what, how do you know when it's lunchtime? Like every different question, but, yeah. but the consensus for most people, I mean, for me, I I've only done a one day one and it was amazing. And I definitely, there's a three day one coming up that I was thinking about. So, you know, I know you have to sort of like build up to it and you also have to be accepted into the 10 day program, but except for me and I think one other person, the consensus was that sounds like tortured hell because I don't want to, I don't want to be quiet. I don't want to hear what's inside. Like I don't want access to what's going on. And honestly, I think people say that partially in jest and partially because that really is how they feel. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I completed a 10 day Vipassana training in 2017 mm. and it was something else, <laughs> something else, you know, they, they, they kind of gave you a little bit of like, you know, here's how to prepare and here's the thing and here's the stuff. But yes, to answer those questions that, that you were stating earlier, no, you cannot read anything. No, you cannot journal. No, you cannot listen to music. No, there's no dancing. You can walk, but there's no other energetic modalities that can be incorporated just the Vipassana way. And I remember on like day three, I caught myself reading a shampoo bottle in the shower. And I was like, what am I doing? Oh my, okay. Right, just to have something outside. Just like this, this kind of like, oh, let me just distract myself for just a moment. And then I, it, I realized like, what, what is this? No, put that down, pay attention. But it was, um, it was incredible. The outcome was incredible and it was very intense. It was a yeah. very, very intense process, very um, rigorous uh, in that, you know, there were 10 hours a day of meditation and, you know, I went from having two hours a day meditation to 10 hours a day seated meditation. Um, it was really incredible in that how my body was processing, because typically if I'm moving through emotion, I have, you know, different energy modalities that I will incorporate into my meditation practice or my quiet time to help move energy through my body. And I was like, okay, well, that's not what we're going to do here. So I'm going to do something else and, and be with the Vipassana way. And what started happening is my psyche started to kind of like unpack whatever it was that I was ready to release for in that moment. And I would go through a few hours of meditation and then I would go into my space and then I would take a nap and I would start, it was like on this, the third day, third or I think it was the third day. Um, I would start, I started a dream process in like an afternoon nap. And I was like, oh, well, that was so curious and odd and strange and wonderful and all of those things. And then I went to bed that night and the dream picked up where I left off. Wow. And then the next day, the afternoon nap, the dream picked up where I left off. And then the dream picked, and it was every day until the ninth day, I was just like this strand of processing, this strand of sloughing off. And it was incredible the people that showed up, people from kindergarten, people from my, you know, fourth grade, people in, you know, a job that I had in California, uh, an experience that I had on cruise ships when I worked on cruise ships, like all of that was just coming. And it was just like this really, really long string of lucid dreaming, bizarre and really incredibly healing. 
I feel like it might have been challenging to even tell the difference between what was dream time and what was meditation, like awake and quotes meditation time. Yeah. Sometimes after the afternoon nap, we would go in and we would have another four hours in the evening and we would, we would, I would shift into that meditation space and I would sit down and it was like, I just didn't feel, I was like, where am I? Okay. All right. Oh, let's do the thing. (laughs) And then I would have the visions from the dream kind of pop back in and it was just, it was really something else. I've never experienced it before and I've yet to experience anything Mm -hmm. like that since. So yeah, I think that it's definitely in my future. I'm not, maybe not the 10 day one at any point soon, but you know, more than the one day, the three day one, I think is something that could Mm -hmm. be, could be really interesting and healing. And again, and I think we talked about, we've talked about this before, just, you know, this idea of finding space, finding quiet, really cultivating that inner relationship, which is sometimes hard and scary. And you have, I have to keep persevering to find it and to to craft it because it's just so easy to, even if you're not letting outside influence, which I've, I've talked about a lot on this podcast and in other places. And I, I was actually talking to a friend yesterday that I think I've been doing a, a really much better job of, you know, shutting off from, from TV news or shutting off from podcasts or, you know, even like really being, you know, conscious about social, social media. There's still so many other ways that the brain just like... <laughs> sends you on these, these little tangents and journeys. And, and it really is like, you know, just for me, I don't want to say fight. I don't like that word. And I really, it would be great to come up with a better way of of explaining it or of bringing myself back into presence Mm -hmm. versus allowing, you know, the ego to either go behind or go forward in time and pull me out of that space of, more consciousness and more intention and more mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as you were speaking, I, I was thinking about times where I have um, been intentional about, okay, this is the period of time that I'm going into, where I call it the dropping in time. And so mm-hmm. I drop in and it's the, the thoughts are really, really a curious process. I, I allow them, I allow them to be present to not, I'm going to I'm going to just say this and then, and then I may backtrack and, and say a little bit more about it, but it's like, rather than, then, okay, step aside ego. Okay. Step up, up there, step back there. Like you, like you were saying, mm-hmm. right. I allow the thoughts to flow through my mind. like, And I imagine them like clouds and they're floating through the sky and I'm not attaching to them and I'm not resisting them and I'm not judging them or labeling them or even giving energy to them. I'm just letting them flow through. And, and with that, I'm like, okay, they're in thoughts and breathe, drop in. And how can I drop in more? Full? Okay, and breathe and drop in more. And so I have created such a curious relationship with the thoughts in those meditative moments that they just are, Mm -hmm. they just are. Um, 
I remember a period of time where it was like, okay, I'm really trying to get still here and really trying to get quiet here. And this isn't working, you know, and then I would get into a resistance place and then I would get attached to not being able to clear it out enough to where I could drop in. And, you know, and then I remind myself that we have as humans, 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Mostly negative, mostly the same ones. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like 92% are repetitive in nature. So if I'm in resistance of them, then I'm just creating another repetition of them. I'm just creating more resistance for them. So it's just been a really interesting, interesting process. I, um, I've led, uh, two and three day uh, silent retreats for people since Vipassana. And it's really incredible. Maybe we could do it together one day. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm like, the dates are, let me write them down. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I have, you know, it's, it's so incredible to observe people in that process and to hold space for people who are navigating those thought processes. Um, Sometimes I see the thoughts as like bubbles kind of just floating up through my body and just going out and just letting them be what they are without any labels. Um, But what I tend to do is I, I like to do unplugs and I will give myself a weekend. It's typically on a weekend where I unplug from all social media I have a meditation room in my home that is my sacred space. It's my sacred sanctuary. I go in, I have everything that I need there. I have snacks. I have my refrigerator. I have my water. I have a restroom. I have everything that I need right there in that space. And I just go in at the the beautiful chair that I have turns into a bed. And so I'll just stay there for a couple of days and plug, you know, my husband's like upstairs doing his thing, but that's my time. And what that allows me to do is to go through all of those processes of getting still, getting quiet, getting activated, listening to guided meditations, moving energy through my body, but most importantly, clearing everyone else's energy out of my field so that I can be in my own resonance. And it is incredible how quickly when I'm in that space and I'm clear that I have cleared everyone else's energy and into, you know, expectations out of my field that I can drop into that space. And then there are, there are sometimes, I don't know the timeline, but I would say a matter of hours where I can just sit and have no thought. Right. Right. So incredible. Wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so envious. <laughs> I'm like thinking of like, is there a better word? No, that's the word. That's it. Envious. Um, is, I feel, is envy better than jealousy? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm look at what you have with such longing and such aspiration. Those are nicer words. <laughs> um, and it's funny. Another friend of mine is on a solo few day trip right now. And I was supposed to take a solo retreat this past summer where it was going to be myself and the facilitator only Uh at their mountain cabin and of course my husband and I got COVID for the first time just days before so I had to cancel that which is fine and that happens um but I do have you know a, a credit that I need to use before the end of the middle of next summer. So I will definitely be doing that. And 
It's so interesting as I hear you talk and I can, I can see it from all sides that on the one hand, I can watch you and hear you speak about that. And I can say, I definitely can make an hour for myself to do that. I definitely can carve out time in the evening, time during the day, time on the weekend. I can use a room. I can use a bathtub. I can use all of that. And so I know that it is 100% in my control, in my power. And then I can also hear the voices of, of old past me and also, you know, maybe current me or certainly, you know, current friends saying, I could never do that. I don't have the time. I don't have the space. I don't have the energy, you know, all of the beliefs and, and things that come along with the resistance to that. So how did you, how did you make that happen? Number one, and also for the people who are feeling like, well, isn't that nice for her? (laughs) How would you encourage them to carve out even a fraction of that? Mm -hmm. So how it happened for me, it's kind of how I really um, leaned into harnessing my intuitive energy and my intuitive gifts. Um, I realized that as as a very highly sensitive impact, And as a, you know, an energy medicine practitioner, you know, I tend to, energies tend to try to glom onto me. They tend to try to be hanging out in my- Oh yeah, I feel you. Uh Uh (laughs) As my whole body is vibrating as we're talking and I'm like, I know, I know. (laughs) And of course I have loads of rituals and practices that I do every single day to cleanse my energy, to purify all of those things. And that- that is literally what led me to Tracy, just unplug, give yourself an unplug. So I started off at, at, with a Friday night, I would go from Friday night to midday on Saturday. And I would just unplug from social media. I would unplug. I would tell people that, you know, that would might worry about me if they reached out, you know, my mom, I'm not going to be available until tomorrow afternoon, you know, but I'm okay. I'm just going to go into some silence. And so she goes, she calls it my quiet time. (laughs) She's like, oh, you're going to do quiet time. Okay, good. You can go in and put yourself into, into the quiet time. But I realized how important it was for me to take that time away, to not be in conversation with others, because as you are in conversation with others, not only your family, but other people that you're interviewing. I'm in conversation with people all day long. And let's be honest, people don't come into my office to feel bad when they leave. They come in to feel better when they leave. So they are literally like releasing all of this energy and all of this information so that they can lighten their load and feel better. And I I'm simply not willing, and I became not willing in the very beginning when I started all of this to no longer carry energies and influences that aren't mine, that don't belong to me, right? And it's a lot of unconscious energies that are floating around, a lot of thought forms that are coming in from other people, expectations, as I mentioned before, you know, those little narratives of, you know, you you should you should be doing X, Y, Z, right? All Whatever those shoulda, woulda, couldas. And so that was really the catalyst for me to go, this is very important for me to drop into my space and to really tune into how I'm feeling in this moment. Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling frustrated? Well, I kind of think that I am. Are those my emotions? 
or are they residual from someone else that I might have been in conversation with? And so what happened as I allowed myself to have those little kind of mini breaks, you know, those little mini kind of like unplugs is I started to get clearer and clearer about what are my feelings, what is necessary for me to do a, a pulse check every day prior to every session and after every session so that I'm not bringing any energy of my own into a session, but also I'm not taking home anything that that doesn't belong to me. Yeah. So that was really what's what started it. And yay, you know, I. I I, I can understand people listening saying, oh, well, good for you. I'm glad that you can do that. It's it's gotten to the point where it's like, I don't have an option. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I don't have any options. I'm, I'm, I'm tied to it. No, it's like, this is my choice to be as clear of a channel as I possibly can for everyone that I serve for my husband, for my, for my life, the way in which I show up in this world. And, and then it just became this, it became this non-negotiable. It's like, this is just important. This is important for me to refill my own cup. And if I am unable to do an entire weekend or even an entire 24 hours, I'm going to give myself two, two, I like to say it's my, I need my four hours because four hours is a good window for me to just stop drop in, get still, get kind of the mind chattery stuff out, do some clearing of my field and then really get still. And then that's where the juicy answers come in. Yeah. Also with that, it has, these practices have strengthened my intuition. <clears throat> They've strengthened um, the way in which I hold space for others. Um, it, it strengthens my energy field. It allows me to bring a greater degree of personal power and strength into each session so that I can better assist people. It's just incredible. <laughs> it, it, it is incredible. It sounds incredible and it is super inspiring and a perfect reminder to me and all of my entrepreneur loves that are listening that feel like we need to have all of our working time in quotes be busy mm -hmm. be productive be researching writing meeting networking creating and that even scheduling I hear you saying four hours which sounds amazing but even scheduling 30 minutes a day to have that quiet time as part of your schedule and as part of your non-negotiable, just so that you can clear your field and, and get rid of all the chatter in your head or, you know, allow yourself to sort of reset from whatever you've taken in. Um, you know, one of my friends teaches productivity and leadership and everything. I mean, she started a policy a while ago that like, there are no meetings that are longer than 50 minutes mm -hmm. because she's not going back to back to back to back. Mm -hmm. It's 50 minutes. And so at the, at the bare minimum, she has 10 minutes in mm -hmm. between, which is, you know, sometimes people do work in environments where pe other people are scheduling meetings for them and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so to have that 50 minute cutoff, I think is such a great thing that she was able to implement because it's true. I was thinking before we, we hopped on today, I was thinking to myself as I was just finishing something and I had, you know, five minutes only to sit. I was thinking to myself, I wonder what Tracy is doing to like set her intention and clear her energy field before this. And I, 
you know, I was trying not to think of it and come from a place of self-judgment or guilt about my situation, but more of like a curiosity. And again, sort of that aspirational that, you know, I, I could have, and I certainly can in the future, make sure that I am setting myself up in the, in the same way. And I agree for people that are highly sensitive, for people that are empathic for people that do feel big feelings physically, emotionally, mentally have that weight. It's a really interesting thing that I've noticed is that, you know, just like we were talking about with like the chaos and the absence of the drinking or the other substances, the absence of feelings, emotions, energy from other people can leave you feeling empty in a way that makes you, that has made me feel like there's something wrong with me. Like I, am I having like a disassociation? Mm -hmm. Am I not feeling full anymore? Am I broken? Or am I actually just practicing good energetic hygiene and boundaries? And I just don't know what it's like to experience only being in my energy because I'm so used to taking on others. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because that is, that is, that is the, the true gift in this is it is, it can be very uncomfortable when we're, when we're quite new to accessing our own unique and authentic energy, right. To like be in that and sit in that and, and, and relish in that. It's like, it can be like, Oh, wait, 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 what's happening. Am I not fully present? Am I, I'm supposed to be, am I supposed to be feeling some kind of way? Right. Right. Why why aren't I feeling anything? What's happening? What's wrong? (laughs) That practice alone is so rich and rewarding because when we can allow ourselves to drop in and practice that good energy hygiene, as you talked uh, talked about, that that allows us to show up in the world more authentically as well. But if we don't have a clear understanding of what our unique energy vibration is and the essence of who we are, if we don't have a clear understanding of that and we don't have a, a clear way of accessing that and utilizing that, then perhaps we're not bringing that, that purest authentic self to the table. Yeah. And so that is really another way that this has just, it is, it has helped me enhance the way I show up for others and, and and the way I show up when, when I'm sitting by myself, when I'm sitting in my alone time, you know, like, Oh, I really like me. I really do. Oh, I love my energy. My energy is, Oh, it's so effervescent today. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. So fun. You know, what's coming in as we're talking too, and as I think about, you know, some of the things I see in, in the spiritual realm is that I wonder too, if this idea of being connected constantly and taking in messages and always having this direct access to intuition is another form of addiction mm. and another form of, of allowing yourself to not be in your own energy, even if you feel like it's in the service of, well, but I want to have access to, you know, this being or, or this element or this, you know, ascended master, whatever it is that somebody is, is tapping into or channeling. Is that another way of not being in your human form? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, 
it's curious to observe people over the years, you know, I've worked with different clients and, and had different friends and, and known a lot of teachers that really spend a lot of time up in what I call the ethers, right? They spend a lot of time in the astral realms. They spend a lot of time reaching their branches up and connecting and channeling and, and being that conduit for that, those energies and informations. And, and what I learned and help have, have taught others along the way is we must equally be as grounded and rooted into the earth as we are reaching our branches out into the ether. And when that is out of balance, when that we were reaching and we're not grounding simultaneously, that's where the addiction of, I want more of that high vibration. I want to be, I want to be in the positive. I want to be in the light and love. I want to be in the right, not wrong, not good, not bad, not indifferent. Just simply, that could be where those types of attachments to that way of being could set in. Mm. And when we spend so much time in that, um, so what some might call a Pollyanna state, right? Mm -hmm. Spend so much time in that state, we can lose touch with a reality that's happening here in this kind of 3D world. Right. Right. And I've heard a few people who have, I think, experienced that and then come back into equilibrium really talk about, you know, this idea of the, you know, one of the amazing benefits among so many others of being able to tap in is so that in the grounded human state, you can still share and live in that energy, but it can be rooted in presence versus mm -hmm. using that as like an escape. Well, it feels so good. And it's like, okay, well, that really sounds familiar. That really sounds like, well, this feels amazing. So I'm just going to stay in that state all the time. Right. And, and so tell me too, as we're, as we're talking about this, you know, psychedelics, and I think I'm going to have somebody on soon talking about um, psilocybin and journeying and all of that. I'm curious if you have an opinion or anything that you want to share as it relates to so many people who have decided that alcohol specifically as a substance was anti to their clarity, you know, consciousness, spirituality journey, but but the psychedelics in terms of, you know, psilocybin and, you know, other, other substances is okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> that is a really loaded question. And it is, um, you know, from a, from a, uh, a certain standpoint, there are, are there's a school of thought <clears throat> that says that, you know, no psycho psychoactive psychotropic you know anything is is welcome we were we can't do any of those things they're all off limits and then there are schools of thought that say it's an expansion of consciousness and it right. is is utilizing that of nature to help open into possibilities and and open levels of consciousness that we might not be able to access in 
in this current state. Yeah. So by bringing in these, these particular substances, it allows us to elevate. It allows us to see the unseen. It allows us to hear what we might not have allowed us, ourselves to hear before. And so the question, I, I can go off in all kinds of directions with it. I believe that when you, when incorporated into practices in a ceremonial way, in a way that is sacred, in a way that is um, intended, mm -hmm. those particular substances can be so fruitful and so healing, incredible, incredible tools for expansion of consciousness. Not everyone in the recovery realm is believes along those lines. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've had conversations with so many over the years of, you know, their staunch kind of like, you know, uh, aversion to, nope, I'm not, I'm not welcoming that into my field whatsoever. And then there are so many that I have had conversations with who have had exponential and experienced exponential results mm -hmm. from working in that arena. So did yes. that answer your question? A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I, I come from the exact same place as you. And I think for some people, it is probably not the right choice at all. And that's obviously a very individual decision mm -hmm. and maybe a decision with your therapist or doctor or, you know, recovery mm -hmm. partner mm -hmm. um, and coach. And I do just think it's interesting, you know, as different substances come more into, into vogue, into popularity how I, I'm curious to see how that all evolves and people who either have one opinion or another on one substance, like, you know, how, how that ebbs and flows and will shift with, with whatever else comes into more, mm -hmm. I don't want to say like acceptance, but that's truly what it is. The more research that comes out about those kinds of substances in a medical setting as far as PTSD and anxiety and depression and migraines. I mean, the research just seems incredible. And especially when you find out why they were banned in the first place, it's like yes. just another one of those things where you're like, wow, we could have been helping so many people yes. for so long, again, with people that have gotten training and, and mm -hmm. you know, medically approved situations. Somebody that I met recently that is doing a training for, for basically doing psilocybin journeying and really like taking people through ceremony. And so I'm super interested to, to have that conversation, you know, oh, publicly. Yeah. And, and it does feel like just with the Netflix alone and like all the, the coverage that's happening about everything. Um, It'll be interesting to see even five years from now, like how mainstream that is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so curious to hear um, as you learn more about your friend who is who is offering the ceremonial, uh, yeah, you know, access to that incredible, incredible plant. Um, wow. That's, that's beautiful. Like you said, all of these different shows are on Netflix. And so, so much more information is available to people. What is how you, how to change your mind. That's yeah, uh -huh. Michael uh, Pollan. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fantastic fungi or, you know, fungi, whatever, however you say that. Um, Those are just really incredible. And it does shed a lot of light on the, the amounts of research that have been done, like, like with LSD and the way that they talk about those particular tools and how they incorporate them into their lives to assist them with anxiety and frustration, you know, agitation, anger, fear. And what comes up for me when I think about that is the beautiful, beautiful uh, practices that are in place for those substances for people who are on their path of transitioning Mm -hmm. and how it can assist people at the end of life. Yeah, where they can work through some of those heavier um, emotions, regrets, guilt, shame, whatever it may be, so that they leave it here. Yeah, they transmute it, they alchemically transmute it, and they don't so that they don't carry it into that next life experience. Yeah, that next experience, whatever that may be. Um, And how beautiful that is, and how, how wonderful that those incredible tools are available to us through nature. Yeah, I know. I, I love, I love that. I know we had talked about that mm-hmm. previously and it's just, yeah. And it's just so incredible how, you know, I mean, talk about remembering your truth about how many things people are just learning about or are just coming more into mainstream awareness are the most ancient of tools the mm-hmm. mo- the things that have been in our ancestry forever you mm-hmm. know even even the idea of meditation and you know having medicine people and and sitting quietly and observing seasons and you know using plants to to en- enrich or expand or all of those things i mean they're not new Mm-mm. they're they're <laughs> No, not at all. And we are just kind of scraping the tip of the iceberg in, in ways that we can utilize them, like simply a cacao ceremony right. and how we can work with the sacred cacao and bring that into our experience to open our hearts and to expand um, our consciousness, to expand the way in which we tune into our feelings and just all of this. It's so rich and incredible. And I could go on and on and maybe we'll have another conversation one day, a a more in-depth conversation on this topic alone. (laughs) Yeah, no, it really is incredible. And I think, you know, when, when I think about how fortunate we are to be here and to be open, to be able to experience and and hopefully choose where you know how we want to spend our time and how we want to live our lives Mm. and you know this conversation with you has been so beautiful and such a perfect reminder to me as as I head off into probably the antithesis of this conversation going to Orlando theme parks (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, finding my place of center, my place of center doesn't change. Mm -hmm. My center is with me, no matter where I am, no matter what the outside world is, no matter what the circumstances are. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful to you for for helping me remember that and Mm -hmm. send me off with that in 
the midst of who knows what kind of chaos will ensue next week. But I think it's just a beautiful reminder to everybody because it is so easy to feel lost. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to feel alone in a space of billions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, being able to tap into that source, being able to tap into that that channel, that intuition, it gives me the greatest sense of feeling home mm-hmm. and also the greatest sense of feeling like I'm part of something larger. Mm-hmm. It's an unusual thing to explain to somebody else, but if you know the feeling you do, it's like you feel so deeply connected and rooted within yourself, but also at the same part, like the smallest little particle because you're part of this great, big, enormous universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking about that, that feeling of home, when we have experienced that, we crave it. Like there's like this, like yeah. for me, like I, I just, oh, it's like, okay, when is the next time that I get to, to sit and just be so centered and so connected with my own being that I get to feel that again, you know, and I don't want to say for one second that I've, you know, gotten it all figured it out, figured out, right? Like I, I'm not like, you know, this masterful enlightened being that, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't have challenging moments or challenging days, but through practicing this, these types of unplugging and dropping into myself, I have that reminder. It's a mm-hmm. gentle reminder. It's a snapshot of what is possible for me to feel. And if I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel, then Tracy, this is your responsibility to stop, drop in, and reconnect with that part of yourself so that you can feel that sense of warmth and that sense of at home. And, and then you can also bring that into the lives of other people that you are surrounding yourself with, you know, mm. it's an incredible reminder. You know, I think about this trip that you're about to go on and about all of the energies of all of the people. It's so peopley out there. And- so peopley. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm going to need to like, I, there's not enough crystals or sage or Florida water to pack to clean me from all the, the energies of all the peoples and, and all, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. And you're going to do great. Yes. You're going to do great because you know what at home feels like inside of you. And you'll, you'll just be able to just you know, those little mini kind of resets that we give ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, mine is like, take three deep breaths, feel my feet planted on the earth, you know, open my body as wide as I can and just really like expand my field and then just kind of blow out everything that's in it that doesn't belong there. Right. And I can do that in about 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll just be able to incorporate those types of tools into your, okay. Little mini reset. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Now I feel better. All right. And begin again. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And it's so funny being a mom and feeling, you know, in many ways responsible for the happiness of, of my children, of my husband to some degree, you know, my husband always jokes that I'm like the, the energetic frequency. He doesn't use that word. He uses a different word. Like, you know, I set the energetic temperature for, for our house which is both a great honor and a great responsibility because if the rest of the people in my family are having a meltdown, a breakdown, a freak out there, I can't be responsible for fixing that. I can only reset my own energy and I can 
do my very best not to take on their energy. But when I push out that energy field, I can't swoop them up inside of mine because that is not going to help anybody. Correct? Correct. Okay, good. I'm like, yes. Absolutely. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. And so when we, when we take care of ourselves and we clear and we reset and we bring ourselves back to that little, that space inside of ourselves that is, that feels like home, then and only then can we ripple out the energy that can support them. What they're choosing to feel is what they are choosing to feel. They will benefit from that centered experience and expression from us. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Thank I am so, oh my gosh. I'm so over the moon. Like I said, at the very beginning to have had you here, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can work with you and get all of your goodness. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to work with anyone who is intrigued by the process. Uh, rememberyourtruth.com. That's the website. There's a, a link there for scheduling appointments. Jump on there and schedule a 15 minute consultation with me and let's meet each other and we can talk and we can find out if there's, if we, if, if we resonate and if it's a good fit for both of us so that I can support you in tapping into your highest and best expression of yourself. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all of the the other social outlets and really what gives me so much joy and the majority of the way in which I serve others is through referral. And so I want to meet you. I want to know about, you know, what you do and who you are and how I can best support you. And then the greatest gift you can give me is to give a referral to a friend. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for all of your time and energy. And I can't wait to chat with you again. Same here. Same here. Have a wonderful time in Universal. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I will report back to everybody. I'm going to practice all the things. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for having me on today. It's been just so such an enjoyable and refreshing conversation. And I really, truly appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.